Hi, my name is Ali Reza Mojibian, and welcome to Noteworthy. From the time he was 10 to when he graduated from high school, Anthony Knight was heavily involved in the arts and theatre community in Kelowna, BC, having performed in over 32 productions by the time he moved for university. In addition to performing and singing, Anthony has always been composing on the side as a hobby. Once he started studying at the UBC School of Music and joined the UBC Opera Ensemble in 2016, he found that his side hobby was more and more becoming his number one passion. I'm excited to speak with Anthony about his many experiences as a young performer in Kelowna, how his life in the Okanagan gives him his perspective when he is composing, and the exciting road he is paving for himself ahead of 2021. Welcome back to Vancouver. How are you? I'm doing really good. Um, thanks, Ali. I just want to say I love this podcast. Thank and you. And I am just super honored that you asked me to be a part of it. So, yeah, thanks again. Of course. Um, you were raised in Kelowna, and you've been an active member of the arts community there since you were 10. How did you get introduced to that arts community, and what propelled you to continuing uh, performing and uh, learning with all the amazing artists in that community? Yeah. Um, well, uh, I started, yeah, at the age of 10 and I definitely have to give some credit to, um, my parents, my father, especially cause he's, he's just very musical and he always kind of got me playing instruments growing up. Uh, I don't think he ever really assumed that I would, I would go, I would stick with that, <laughs> but, um, I, I started playing music at a young age and, um, but really what got me into this career path is, is my, my want to, um, to be an actor. Okay. Um, that's really what, what spearheaded it huh. is, is I, I did a, I, for some reason, I don't even remember, but, uh, I just did a play when I was, when I was young and I just kind of fell in love with it. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then I auditioned for another one and it was a musical and okay. I actually, my first like biggest role, I was 10 or something. I don't know. I was Charlie Bucket in, uh, <laughs> Willy Wonka. Willy Wonka. Yeah. Um, but you know, like I had to sing, yeah. right. I had some, I had some songs and stuff and I, t that just totally like got me hooked. So ever since then, I, I seriously would do shows back to back. Like it, I'd be performing in one show in with one theater company in Kelowna. And then, uh, I'd be rehearsing for the next already while I was doing the show. So it was basically out d doing that all the way up until I was in, in high school. And then, well, be a little bit before that, uh, I started taking singing lessons and, um, and, uh, then I realized that I really liked singing and I wanted to be in the classical world. Yeah. And, um, I went to university for, for opera performance. And my, my goal at the time, like in high school, yeah. um, was to, okay, I like, I want to do musical theater. Yeah. And I, but like I had, I had learned throughout my training with Alexander Babel, who I, mm -hmm. who I owe a lot to, um, that, you know, a lot of musical theater singers, they kind of end up having a short career because they end up ruining their voices because they don't really know how to sing properly. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of stuck on that idea. So my, my goal was, okay, I'm going to go to university and learn how to sing opera, but yeah. then ultimately I'm going to go back to musical theater yeah. so that I can have like a healthy, long career. career. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So did your, you said your, your dad was a huge, um, proponent to you, like 
influence on you um, being in mm-hmm. in the creative world. Uh, does he also play an instrument or instruments? Yeah, um, he is a jazz drummer in Kelowna. Oh, that's so cool. He's a jazz drummer. He plays in a bunch of groups. Okay. He always has. And not only that, um, he, he well, he's a teacher. Okay. And his last, before he's now retired, yeah. um, the last position he had before he retired, he was an elementary music school teacher. Okay. He actually taught me music in school from kindergarten to grade three you were in his class i was in his class he was my music teacher that's so awesome isn't that crazy yeah yeah so you get to learn from your greatest hero yeah exactly (laughs) exactly that's so awesome yeah the the people who you who you meet and the people who you get to work with the people who you just watch in performances um have a great deal to do with how your life is propelled in the future totally and um it's nice to have moments to be able to look back and see where you've been and uh, how far you've come, which takes me to my next question of how composition came into the mix of things. Did you start composition? Did you start composing um, light things when you were also in high school and then that transitioned into university or did that hobby really start in university? Yeah. Um, the more I like kind of look back into my, my past, um, the more I kind of realized that I was sort of doing it all along. Yeah. Like even when I was really young and I was just getting into that musical theater stage, I was like writing little songs and Mm -hmm. I was like on garage band on my laptop and stuff. And I was kind of writing little love songs and dumb, dumb stuff, you know, um, but that's the start of it, really. Okay. And, and it kind of grew from there into, into writing a little bit more, um, substantial, uh, like singer songwriter stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and then when it really happened, um, was when my dad, he went to go see a chamber music Kelowna performance and there was a, a septet that came. Okay. I was in, I would have been in grade 10, I think. Okay. And he, they basically at the show, I don't know, they, they had a spiel about how not many composers wrote for this instrumentation. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, my dad came home and said, you should write a septet. Like, and I was just basically like doing singer songwriter stuff. Challenge accepted. Yeah. I was like, (laughs) okay, dad, like, (laughs) sure. Like, I had no idea, yeah. really. Um, and uh, he showed me, he downloaded Finale mm-hmm. um, with music notation software. And I kind of was just started screwing around on it, you know. Yeah. And that's kind of where it started. And I never really thought much of it. Yeah. You know, I was yeah. just kind of writing it. And, um, but, you know, I, I, I um, submitted it to the, the Kiwanis Festival the next year. Mm-hmm. And I... I won, but I, I mean, it's, it doesn't really say much because I was the only composer in that category, <laughs> hey, it still counts. but that, but they gave me like a grade and yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. too, which is, yeah. which was like really it's awesome. It's all about encouragement. It has nothing oh. to do about winning or losing. It's just all about encouragement and pushing you further along that path. Right. Totally. Yeah. So yeah. like, yeah, I'm super thankful that I, I did that and everything. So that's kind of how it started. And then. Ever since then, I, I had just been kind of doing it on the side. I had Finale on my laptop. I yeah. was kind of writing on the side, doing yeah. little art songs and stuff, writing mm-hmm. like a little song cycle and stuff. Yeah. You obviously uh, went into university 
with the intention of continuing your classical voice training. Yeah. Along with the path of wanting to end up in musical theater. Right. But something along the way started uh, slightly shifting. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's, that's what university's for. It's not yeah. meant to... Um, solidify you into one path. It's meant to give you the tools to be able to figure out what you actually want to do. So when did that, when did that shift happen? Was it a particular class? Was it a particular moment? Uh, uh, something that you saw that, that inspired you to compose and you were like, this is what I want to do. What caused that shift? Yeah, I think it was a combination of a lot of things. Okay. I, I think that, um, it was definitely some of the courses I was taking, okay. um, like, you know, music theory courses. Yeah. Um, and really kind of understanding, you know, how music works mm-hmm. and how emotion can be like brought on by, by music, that sort of thing. It was also the, just the immense exposure to all this new music. That the I BBC never... orchestra, the opera department, the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Holy cow. Like I was, I was just like, I was kind of just blown away by all, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I would start kind of researching my own, like kind of getting into some of the more obscure kind of composers that live. And I was like, okay, like there's some really cool stuff out here. That's making me feel some, some feelings, you know, (laughs) it was also being continuing to perform in the operas at UBC that, you know, I, I I still have my love for performing, but, Mm -hmm. but continuing to, to be part of the music making experience yes. is, is really important. Yeah. And that's always been really important to me. So yeah, it's just kind of a combination of all those things. And then, you know, <laughs> it's, I hate to say it, but you know, as a, as a singer in university uh, in, in the practice room, mm-hmm. it's on, it was unavoidable for me. It was, it was something that would just happen with, you know, I would practice for probably about 10 minutes yeah. And then I would find myself tinkering at the piano, mm-hmm. finding new sounds, like just doing my own thing. And then I'd be like, oh, shit, I should be practicing, <laughs> you know, but that's really what I, that's what I was drawn to. That's what I had to do. Like, yeah. that's what I wanted to do. So so fast forward to um, today is September 7th. Uh, tomorrow is supposedly the first day of school, right? University again, September 8th. Yes. Um, and you're finishing your undergraduate degree. Mm-hmm. And now in this time, you decided to take up a second major, mm-hmm. uh, majoring in composition. Um, how has that process been for you? And I know it goes deeper into, um, uh, the learning the rules around, uh, around theory and the general rules around composition, but how, how has that experience, um, informed what you're composing now? Uh, for those listening, what we're eventually getting to is the fact that Anthony is, has not only composed if, uh, a number of orchestral pieces and a song cycle and, and other art song, but he's in the process of developing his own opera along with librettist, um, Alexander Allen. That's right. Um, correct. And so how did, how did those things shift? Cause, um, you are 22. Yeah. And that's a really big jump to go from starting university as an opera major to now composing your first opera. Yeah. How? <laughs> <laughs> how? <laughs> Just how? There's no, there's no definitive question here. Well, basically, 
you know, I've been writing all these different works. I've been really digging my teeth into just the music and, and like what I can do with it Mm -hmm. and writing all the, you know, I wrote this orchestra piece and some other, like I've done some film music and stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and all different genres too. And then, you know, still being in the opera program, Mm -hmm. I, you know, I just have this connection with, with vocal music and I, and I sing it Mm -hmm. like that's, that's what I do. That's really what my, my background is. Mm -hmm. And I just think that that entire side of me Mm -hmm. completely informs my writing, um, in all areas, but specifically opera. Um, you know, I, I just like, I'm so thankful for like my childhood because I, I just, I feel like I have, you know, a, a, an instinct about, you know, uh, stage works and what's, you know, what's going to work with tension and release on stage mm-hmm. and, and things that, that, um, that other, you know, composers of great music might not necessarily have. Mm-hmm. And they have other things that I, I don't, but Absolutely. you know what I mean? Like yes. I have that, that theater, that theater background. Yes. So it was kind of inevitable honestly, yeah. for me to just say, you know, I, I think I'm confident enough to, to just to try and do it. And I mean, when I, when I first started the opera, mm-hmm. looking back, it was like a really ambitious thing. I hadn't even have a librettist. I didn't even have anything. I just said I wanted to write it. And yeah. I, and I approached some people about it and they, they trusted me to do it. And then I had to like figure out what the it. hell I was going to do. Yeah. Um, they just say, okay, go. Right. They just said, okay, go. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, I was a little, I still, you know, I was a little younger. I'm so happy. I did it. Yeah. Happy. I was so ambitious. Absolutely. Um, cause I, you know, it's, it's turning out like successfully, um, in the process. How are you inspired as an artist? Do you go looking for poems, people, locations, or do, does the inspiration come to you? Or is it a collaboration between the both and just see what the universe sends you? Yeah. Yeah. I think probably the latter okay. for sure. Um, it's yeah, it's, uh, every which way yeah. it happens. Um, yeah, I've, I've written for like for people, mm-hmm. you know, having some, a person in mind to yes. write for, right. I've had, you know, uh, an idea will just come to you when you're, doing something benign, like just yeah, walking down the street, it'll mm-hmm. just come things like that. Um, but also I think some of the projects that I've had the most fun with, let's say are, you know, for example, like some, some of the film stuff mm-hmm. that I've had to write, Yeah, which is like, I, I don't really have as much creative space as, um, like a composer, that is just writing, you know, whatever I feel, right? Yes. It's, I have to write to the picture. I have to do a, get a certain emotion out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's putting yourself in a box, mm-hmm. but you know, it's so rewarding. Yeah. You know, because you just explore some things that you might never have before. Like the pat, like one of the, the last films I did, um, I had to write like a, it was like a rock song, like fully a rock song. Like, okay. And I had a black, like, I don't play rock music. I don't know if you've noticed. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I have to say, I mean, 
I actually, this is, this is a good side question. Yeah. Um, I, uh, you invited me to one of the jam nights, you and your friends. Oh, right. <laughs> you were there. I was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I, and it was a, it was a, um, did I play that night? You did. Oh, okay. it was a wicked evening. Cool. Uh, I think that's, um, it's the most hacked I have been in a room. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that was the, that's what made it special in addition to the music. Yeah. It was that, that energy that you could see the audience was giving you guys, cause you guys were improvising. Yeah. Totally. The entire time. Yeah. And so that was, that was a really, really unique, uh, moment because I got to see a different side of you as an artist. Yeah. Um, you clearly just let go yourself and your friends. Yeah. You, all of you had just let go. And as I said, the energy was very much coming from the audience and you were making music based on that energy. Yeah. And that, that was, that was really, that was really special for as an audience member just to see that happening. Um, yeah. So I can understand what you were saying. Like it, it comes to you from all different angles with regards to one of my favorite pieces that you've sent me so far that I've had the for- fortune of listening to, um, uh, is Ogopogo. Right. How did that come to fruition? Explain, explain what Ogopogo is. Yeah. There are a lot of people right. who might listen who have no idea what Ogopogo is. Right. Uh, as even a being. Yeah. <laughs> Let alone an orchestral piece. It's fair. Yeah. Ogopogo is a sea monster that lurks in the Okanagan Lake. Um, it's where it the less Scottish version of the le- yeah, Exactly. Yeah. Actually, I, there's a lot of lake monsters in Canada. You just don't hear about them. There's a lot in Manitoba. Oh. Like they just have, I mean, I mean, Casually I'm not saying they're, around. I'm not saying they're real, but <laughs> there's a lot of like myths of them. So it's interesting. So this one is in Okanagan. It's where I grew up. So basically I wanted to dig my teeth into an orchestra. I just felt like I was ready. Yeah. I was felt like I was like, okay, listen, like I'm, I, I've done a lot of smaller kind of things mm-hmm. and like, screw it. I'm just going to start. So I just kind of started on my own, mm-hmm. um, just kind of conceptualizing. Yeah. Like how the Ogopogo, um, feels and yeah. like how, like kind of, it, it's almost like the music in the Ogopogo's head kind of as it's swimming up and down in the lake and peeking its head up and down. And then suddenly it'll attack at something. And it's basically the, um, it's called Ogopogo, the protector of the Okanagan. Mm-hmm. So I kind of have these implications that, um, it's, uh, warding off, uh, like the, the, the evils from the Okanagan. Like it's our, it's our protector rather yeah. than it being like more of a monster. A menace to the community. A menace. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's protecting us in our valley and sort of thing. And I, I also wanted, like, it was important for me to, to, um, show in my music, you know, where I'm from and yeah. like who, who I am. And like, it'll always be for Kelowna. It's called the Ogopogo, right? So that's Absolutely. kind of, uh, yeah. And, and it's, it's, um, I'm happy that you said that because I, I know having talked in, in private, um, I know how much enough of an effect, uh, that community has had on your life. Absolutely. And, yeah. and, it always, everything comes back to us in a circle. And I, and I know it's a, it's a very uh, new age, uh, probably <laughs> a hippie thing to say, but, yeah. um, your experiences in Kelowna and being able to now 
compose things that that reflect your your life when you were growing up there. Yeah. Um, you know, I've I've just had I've had tremendous support throughout everything, and all these people that I have come in contact with throughout performing and all these things in Kelowna, like I still I still am in contact with them. I and I know that they're still in support of what I'm doing. Um, all these people that I did theater with and, um, I haven't done too much back in Kelowna, mm-hmm. um, because I've just been so busy out here, Of course, but it is one of my, you know, one of my desires mm-hmm. really to, to, um, to do some things in Kelowna and to, to give back to the community that gave me so much, of course, to so much. And, um, I actually had a meeting the other day with, uh, someone who is, uh, an integral part of the music community in Kelowna and they, they just totally took me under their wing and they gave me so much feedback on, um, I showed them the Yoga Pogo actually mm-hmm. and, and some of the opera mm-hmm. and they just were so lovely. And it's just so good to reconnect with these people from my past who have so much more to give. Absolutely. You know, and, um, I'm just so blessed to have these people that I, I'll always have them yeah. now. Yeah. I'll always have them to, to call up if I want, if I need to do a project or something, yeah. or even just advice on something. Yeah. And they're from all different parts of the arts community. And it's just, it's just incredible. How has the pandemic affected you on a personal level? That's a question that keeps coming. Uh, not only keeps coming up. I, I, I like to ask all of my guests because I yeah. think it's important that um, it is a discussion that everybody has and, uh, I, yeah, I, I hope that everyone shares it. So I ask you, how has the pandemic affected you personally? Yeah. I'm, and I know I'm going to answer like some of your past guests actually that I've noticed is, you know, despite all the things that are going on in the world right now, it has been a silver lining for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had so much time on my own mm-hmm. to just contemplate and think about, just like who I am and just be in a state of, um, thinking about the future and like how, what do I want that to look like? And who am I really? Right. Mm -hmm. It's just like, and I I feel, I've talked to so many people who who feel this way. Yeah. And not only that, but as we spoke about a little bit earlier, um, I'm writing this opera and I have had so much time to write it. Yeah. <laughs> it is like a total silver lining for me. It's like, yeah. I have been treating it as a full-time job. Yes. I've been waking up early. Yes. I've been writing all through the day and then I have my nights and it's like, <laughs> you know, if I, I actually don't know what state of this process I'd be in if the pandemic wasn't happening. Probably a lot. I'd probably get a lot less work done. I might not even finish it in time. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it is, it's really been, yeah, again, it's really been a silver lining for me. I've, I've got to spend a lot more time with my family back home just Mm -hmm. because of, you know, taking precautions, which I, you know, we all should be taking and not seeing too many people. So I've been spending a lot of time with my family. It's just been, it's, um, it's been really great for, for my mental health. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, Great that you say that because that's the consist. That's been 
I guess in the sense, the consistent message through almost all the interviews so far yeah. um, is that aspect of um, being able to reconnect with yourself as an artist, uh, finding that silver lining within yourself of what is important to you, what is truly tr important to all of us and on an in individual level. Um, I know friends who... Um, hadn't seen their family in two years because they were on the go because right. it's, it's what, it's what the art form demands. Totally. Um, and realizing that for them, they need to, the, they need to find more of a balance where they can pursue the career, but at the same time, um, not forgo that essential connection, which is their family. Um, so yeah, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, to kind of wrap things up, um, what is on your quarantine playlist? <laughs> I mean, I wish I could tell you that I'm listening to some cool, like, indie artist or something. But it'll come. It'll come. <laughs> Basically, I've been in a slump. It's been, I think, like a year now, maybe. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I'm kind of in sponge mode, in a sense, okay. where, like, I, I don't really come back to a lot of things. I kind of am just, like... When I'm listening to music, it's mm -hmm. not really for pleasure. It's more for kind of study. Yeah. Honestly. Sure. I'm kind of all, I'll listen to some things I've never heard before. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I want to give you some, like, I do have composers and stuff that I always come back to. Yeah. Um, I have been listening to a lot of John Adams operas. Okay. A lot of Britain operas, like a lot of English operas, basically. Um, and, I always come back to like the big Russians. Oh. I always like I have Shostakovich, okay. uh Prokofiev. Prokofiev I think is my homie. It's interesting. Okay, so it's a total sidebar. A couple nights ago you did this very brief live session on Instagram yeah. where you were like riffing on Shostakovich. Yeah, yeah, so right. this this put this puts these two totally together now. I I'm like like, oh, you were watching. I was watching. It. I was like, <laughs> "Why?" I, I mean, not to bash on. I love Shostakovich. I appreciate Shostakovich. Okay, fair enough. Fair, fair enough. enough. I get you. I, get I was you. just like, "Yeah, yeah." He's riffing on Shostakovich on Instagram Live. Okay, cool. cool, 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 cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, Shostakovich is uh, also my homie. Okay. Um, I think you know, I if I were to give um, the listeners like something maybe new that they haven't listened to, yeah. Prokofiev. Just in my mind, he's a genius. Mm -hmm. I think that he is just like his orchestration is so beautiful. His music is really approachable. Also, mm -hmm. if you're if you're worried about that, I know maybe Shostakovich is not so much. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love this in person interview because I can see the. I go to the great Russians for my literature. Like, yeah, give give me Dostoevsky, give me Chekhov, yeah. uh, give me Tolstoy. Great, but when it comes to, to the to, music, to the music, Rachmaninoff though. I mean, okay, again, I can appreciate, but I'm more of a, uh, Italian romantic. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I would, I would suggest to you then to listen okay, to a little bit fair. of Prokofiev. Okay, I am, okay. I am, okay. And no. if I, you know, I'll give you a piece. Listen to Prokofiev's Fifth Symphony. Okay. I just think it's a masterpiece. There's so much textural complexity, but it just comes across as, as not as being quite simple it's okay. just you know it's just it's phenomenal i would i would give it a try so if yeah. you're listening to this definitely check out prokofiev's fifth symphony
Done. 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 <laughs> um, Anthony, thank you so much. Thank it's you, man. Pleasure. I appreciate you. Uh, likewise. Um, I'm excited to see um, what else you pull out of that hat in the next couple of years. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. We'll see. Waiting to surprise yourself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's exciting times. Yeah. Um, I wish you nothing but the best, and I'm so happy that we were able to do this in person. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Thank you to Duncan Watts Grant for editing and producing the show with me. If you are a new listener, remember to subscribe, like, and leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts as we would love to hear from you. As always, make sure to support your local arts and cultural institutions. Thank you for listening.